1: One. All right, here we go once again with another podcast. Welcome to the Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio. The Gamekeeper Studio. Right? Yeah, here we are, sitting back here in the dark with a little green light glowing. And Yeah, I don't know what you did to the lights, but... They're out. They're out. And it's kind of nippy in here. We all have on coats. <laughs> Is the heat out too? <laughs> I don't feel any heat in here today. Uh-oh. So uh, across we in the glass booth we've got Jason Cleveland there. We want to producer
0: touch. extraordinaire.
1: Hello, yeah, we want to touch special. him. And uh, and then Dudley's out. He's on vacation. So uh, what so, do you think he's doing? Not much. He's wandering and looking at trees, gallivanting through the forest, probably trying to kill a deer. You think he's just looking up? I don't know. There's no telling. <laughs> it, no, he, and he, or if he's not looking up, he's looking at his phone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope so, because he's got some tree questions to answer <laughs> while he's gone.
1: <laughs> so sitting in today, we've got Mr. Bill Gibson, who uh, will join us and and add some— Is in the house. Yeah, his comments. And then uh, we'll have a—he'll que- take over the Ask Dudley segment today, and it'll be a dog
0: question. be Ask Bill. It will be. Mm, I like it.
3: I and like he, it too. Mr. Yeah. Bills all
1: he's got a brown and goose down jacket on. He's got a, a, a looks like a coal miner with a light on his cap here and Are it,
0: you are you comfortable? He's a bird man. I mean, you can tell just by looking at him. <laughs> You're
3: not cold. I, no. Are you comfortable? Okay. I just uh, stay the same temperature all day outside inside. Oh, that's good. Uh you look you look uh and this is my navigation light. When I come out of my deer stand in the evenings, I need a way to see.
0: That's right.
1: Now, I got one of those. I like it. Me too. That thing may be the reason. I have Now, one you're those talking lights. about the,
0: the the bill light, the cat bill light.
1: Right. Yeah, uh, it's a little light that claps on. I remember years ago, I had one, and we were setting decoys, and I kept sh- shining it in Lanny's yes. face. <laughs> and he ended up throwing a decoy, and it hit me in the head. <laughs> And made
0: my ear bleed. I sure did, but you know, truth be known, you had thrown the decoy at me first. I, I don't remember that. Well, but I, anyway. you know, I don't. I don't use. You know, I, I'm getting older, so my 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 super night vision isn't as good as it used to be. But yeah. Well,
1: those lights can be obnoxious when you're around. Yeah, money when you're decoy. looking at somebody, and
0: somebody <laughs> <said, laughs> "Ask you a question,
3: you look right." Huh? <laughs> Actually, he loaned you a decoy, and you would return it.
0: That's exactly what yeah. it was. I think Bill might even been there.
3: <laughs> it was full of water, and it might <laughs> knock me out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Sometimes I he didn't know. mean to. Yeah. No, I didn't. So
1: look, uh, today's show. Uh, I've done something a little differently. We have, we have. Worked with all of our sponsors to try to get them a little extra press, but we've kind of, sometimes we neglect our own, the Mossy Oak brand.
4: <laughs> oh, so,
1: we can't uh, be doing that. So, so today's show is going to be sp- sponsored by Mossy Oak brand camo and the Mossy Oak Go app. Ah, the over-the-top platform. Yeah, the one that we always don't know how to tell people what to do with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is is our stuff there or not? I'm not sure. but It is. I was just going to just <laughs> encourage people, if you hadn't been to MossyOak.com lately and seen all the neat new patterns, the fishing patterns, yeah. that, that terra. There's just some Habitat. Really cool stuff. Have you
0: seen the Habitat?
1: Oh, it's un- unbelievable. I love that it name. It really is. That's a great name. So great name. I just encourage everybody just to go to MossyOak.com and peruse around a little bit.
0: Check it out. You got the store. You got Mossy Go. Uh, of course, there's links to all our other brands and businesses that we've got all through there too. So, yeah, check it out. Good, good. So, blood on the
1: biologic. There's been a bunch of critters hit the ground. What? Yeah, what have I missed? So, Aust- I miss out Austin on? Delano went to Kansas with uh, Rusty and crew. This is
0: his return visit, wasn't return, it? Yeah, something happened on the first one, and they uh, didn't. I think it was get a, it done. The wind was wrong, or the weather wasn't right, or something. But he killed a big deer with his bow. You know what, I don't guy. know, to be honest with you. Uh,
1: I would expect that it was with his bow, but I think it may have been with a rifle now that I think about it.
0: A yeah. Bit. Well, when you're going on that second chance, you kind of up your.
1: What yeah, I remember yeah. a, of the photo, there's a big deer, but it was sopping wet like he killed it and it, he had to go swimming for it. Mm. Hm. That's always fun. Yeah,
0: I've had to do that a couple times.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so there there was a big, there's a, a, a friend of ours, Austin Ashley. He killed in, a big deer. Down in South Mississippi, killed a giant, 160-inch deer around Yazoo City somewhere.
0: Man, I'm going to tell you what, he is an intense deer manager, if I've ever seen one.
1: Yeah, he was telling me he's got like this seven-acre field, and a, uh, he's got it broken out into, uh, you know, there's final forge, there's some deer radishes. there's Like some, a buffet. It, it really is, mm-hmm. and, uh, and some corn, standing corn, and he said he— he climbed in the stand, and just as soon as he sat down, he could see the deer at the other end of the field. Right, got all excited about it. So it, it is a giant. It weighed two hundred forty pounds. That's a big. That's deer. a big
0: deer. Yeah, yeah, it is. A lot of sausage on that.
1: Yeah, and then uh, you know, a couple of nights ago, I noticed that. Uh, Mark Drury had Taylor and, and Terry and Gary Lavox, and they all three killed big deer. Now so in one night. So that's a that's pretty an accomplishment. But Terry's deer was an eight
0: point. I saw that, that deer It scored hundred and sixty five inches. That's a giant that's
3: a heck of a eight
0: point. That's a that's a real eight, it, I, Mr. Bill? <laughs> I,
3: I don't think they get much bigger than no, that.
0: No, I man. don't uh Nothing more impressive than a hundred and sixty inch eight point, I tell you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Terry Drury, he just he doesn't get a lot of the credit he deserves,
0: but he is awesome. He
1: really is. He is awesome. He's a fun guy to hang around with. He is,
0: he is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I really like it. When Gary the Vox killed a big
0: deer, Taylor killed a big deer. So they're 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 just absolutely on fire even more than they normally are, it seems like this year.
1: Yeah, you know, then there's been some talk around it seems like Missouri And maybe Iowa as well has produced more big bucks this year. And I saw uh, one of the scientists with the Missouri Department of Mm -hmm. Wildlife said that it was a result of hemorrhagic, huh? A rebound from that, right? But then from a population perspective, yes, and and that they had had um, a number of counties go to uh, have limits on how big the deer, if you were going to shoot a buck, how, how he had their size limits. So they, they're they saying it's just kind of a perfect storm. All this stuff
0: is led together to have some really big monster deer monster deer. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, what about, uh, you didn't say anything about your protege. Uh, Mac <laughs> no. Thatcher killed a good deer in the you Delta. Know what, you know what? You know what? You were absolutely right. What what, what was I
1: thinking? I don't about know. I mean, I can't believe I'm, he wasn't
0: I'm, even going to put the biologic guy on the blood on the biologic yeah, list. I, 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 and and I will say, it, he killed it with a deer radish, which is pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, well, he killed it with a rifle. But oh he, yeah, well, he, well, you know, <laughs> was, the deer radish itself. <laughs> in a deer radish
1: field, yeah. No, but that that's his biggest buck. So congratulations to Mike. Thatcher. Great deer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. He said he 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 said he grunted him in too. So. Got yeah, a little live action. Heard that story
1: too. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, every you don't
0: have you see, you're turning a little green over there, Bobby. Uh, no, no, I no, no. This. Every deer hunter's
1: got a story. Yeah, and, and he certainly
0: had one for his deer. So. Of course. That's what it's all about. No, that's exactly what it's about. <laughs> you know, congrats to Mike. Yeah, so, go, Mac. Congrats, yeah. man. Oh, and then uh Steel, you know, Jordan's little boy killed his first deer. We've had a, sure a, several first. Man, it's been going on around here. Mm-hmm. So, don't you know there was some excitement in that blind, right? Uh, and I think we've got a little. Uh, I think there's a little hair on the biologic, too. You no, know, you know. And who would that be? Our boy Dudley Phelps. <laughs> Do tell. Do tell. You <laughs> hadn't heard this yet? No, no, I, have yeah, not heard this. I heard he was down there at Ebenezer and uh, missed the connection on a big one. Did he really? We should call him with a rifle. I don't. I think. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. That's just all I've heard. I hadn't mm-hmm. had a chance to dig into the story much.
1: Yeah. Well, nobody's now. Seen we will. To him, yeah. We'll grill. We'll grill. Him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That'll be some interesting conversation next week when he gets back from uh, gallivanting through the woods or whatever he's doing.
1: Yeah. Well. Huh. I did not know that he had missed one. Well, Mister Bill, have you got a deer story this year? Not this year. I filled my freezer up with elk.
0: Hey, it doesn't make it deer season. Just doesn't seem so (laughs) intense,
1: does it? How much meat did you get? Lanny got about
0: an armful of snacks. Had a lot of bullet holes in it. I (laughs) got
3: uh, when I got back from New Mexico, I had over three hundred pounds of boned out meat. Goodness gracious!
0: Yeah, they're big old critters.
3: He was uh, he was somewhere between eight and nine hundred pounds live weight. Wow!
0: Have you eaten much of it yet?
3: Every now and then.
0: Yeah, man, I've been tearing it up.
3: (laughs) Me too. (laughs) He doesn't doesn't look like he's missed many meals. No, we ain't
0: going to miss eating around here now.
1: Not
3: hardly. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I had a good trip out there. Good. Hey, I I got
0: some elk sticks. I forgot I brought them for us to eat today. I need to get those out. Yeah, we we should. I I just hate to eat your whole elk in two episodes. Uh, We're not going (laughs) to. Well, you're right. I didn't get as much meat as Mr. Bill. Mine was more tenderized.
3: How many shots (laughs) did it take for you
0: to kill your bull?
3: The first one knocked him down, and uh, then I put a polish off on him, yeah, the
0: insurance policy, yeah okay well i knocked well I didn't knock mine down on the first you one, but six I did, six insurance. more yes
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, we have bit we have uh, beat this dead horse It's Saturday. okay <laughs> i mean it, it needs beating uh, for me, especially, so.
1: Well look, moving this thing along well, let's touch base with Richie and see what's going to be on the gamecube. Thing. What are you working on down in the yeah, that, in the
0: production for the
1: outdoor channel uh, Jason, if you could see if we could get get Richie I sure would appreciate it
0: Hey! Oh, good grief.
4: What
0: Trying to figure out what that, was that a machine gun or a deer grunt?
4: I haven't been able to work in two days because Richie's practicing his grunt call. Here.
0: <laughs> oh. Tis the rut in Mississippi. We're out in the middle
4: of the rut, you know, we're out there checking our game capital picks and everything, man. We got
0: bucks running everywhere, and so David's over there working on his grunt call. Aren't y'all supposed to be working on like some videos or something? We're
4: supposed to, man, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: is the rut. <laughs> that is the oddest sounding grunt call. Yeah, it sounds like a Model <laughs> T right? horse. Like I said,
4: practice makes perfect,
3: man. Yeah. Yeah, well, somebody needs to
0: practice. Yeah, so y'all tomorrow. need to keep on practicing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, R- Richie, what's going to be on the Outdoor Channel this week with Gamekeepers? All
4: uh, right, this week on Gamekeepers, we got Machio culture. You know, we dive into the origins of Machio, we talk to Toxi, Mr. Bill, you guys are on there, a little
1: bit of turkey hunting, so it's a really cool episode. Yeah, that's one of my favorite episodes. Talking about gamekeeping.
4: Yeah, 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 you know, it's, uh... You
0: know, Jess and Lena get a turkey, and then they, uh, you know, and you're in the search for a turkey there, Bobby, so it's
1: all fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's always fun when search. you get a turkey and Bobby doesn't. <laughs> okay, all right. I've <laughs> grown tired. I can't wait song. to watch <laughs> this. Yeah, this is
0: one of my favorite shows ever. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, all right. Well, that that is a good one. There are parts of it I don't enjoy as much as others.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can't win
0: them all, Bobby.
1: Uh-huh. All right, well, you, look, you guys carry on, get back to work. And see if we can get something accomplished by the end of the day.
0: Yeah, work on that grunt call. I might want to tone that grunt down a little bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, it's it's about time for us to call our guest. The guest today, which Man. we haven't mentioned at all, it's, no. this is going to be kind of a walk. I am excited line.
0: about this guy. Yeah, Jim Crumley, the and, uh, nicest, coolest guy in the outdoor industry. That's a that's the the uh the moniker that I'm giving Jim.
1: Yeah, well you know what I would agree. Yeah. And he's a he's a he's just a true southern gentleman.
0: Yep. An and, an OG gamekeeper. He, uh, do you when you say OG It's you know, he was gamekeeping for gamekeeping was cool, Bobby. Yeah. That's what I'm D- talking is about. Is that the abbreviation for original? Yeah, I think it's kind of a slang term. Yeah, but basically would say okay. one of the originals. Okay. Yeah. I just
1: can't keep up with all these slang terms you guys well, keep coming up
0: with. Don't worry, it's not a new one. It's you know I'm a child of the '90s, so. OG, OG, OG. Well, so so Jim Cromwell, and he kind of you know he's credited with getting the camo
1: revolution started.
0: Yeah, I would think with, he was uh, the tre- godfather of modern day hunting camouflage. Yeah, tree bark, tree bark, as we as
1: we knew it. Um, But yeah, but he is such an interesting guy. He's got a mountain over there in Virginia. I think that he manages. He loves loves bow hunting, loves
0: whitetail deer, loves turkey. You know, we got really fortunate to spend a lot of time with him, and we'll talk to this about him during the Portland Landing Day. So we've had a close business relationship with Jim for you know years. I think since two thousand two. So yeah, I'm excited to talk to him.
1: You know, that's one thing before we call him uh, uh, Mr. Joe. Yeah, Portland Landing just thought. Mr. Jim. Well,
0: they were two peas in a
1: pod. it walked on water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, he really loved, loved him.
0: Yeah, I think I think if it hadn't been for Sherry, and I'm sure he's got an unbelievable place in Virginia, I have no doubt in my mind he would have spent the rest of his days at Portland Landing. He loved it that much. Yeah. All he talked about was like, I'm like, what are you doing, Jim? I'm scouting.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. All
1: right, well, Jason, why don't we see – uh over there, if, we, if if you don't mind, let's see if we can get him on the telephone.
4: When I first bought this farm a short time ago, every single field was grown up with brush eight and 10 feet high. But it went from that to this. And even though I planted Biologic with very little moisture in the ground, I was really amazed at the results. I just sat in this field with my wife as she shot her very first deer. We could not be happier. We made a memory that will last a lifetime all because of the effectiveness of the best food plot seed on the market. Biologic is better seed, pure and simple. Log on to plantbiologic.com to learn more.
1: Yes, sir? Mr. Jim Crumley, this is Bobby Cole and Lanny Wallace and Bill
4: Gibson. How you doing? I am doing just fine. Little, I'm still a little bit short. <laughs> uh, but I, I, this is quite a treat to be able to talk to some of my favorite people in the history of history
0: man
1: uh, we, we we're exa- we couldn't think of any other guests we were, we were trying <laughs> to come up with, <laughs> with something somebody said what about jim crumley i said well mm-hmm. let's call him now and we were, he says fly shoot man we, we uh, it's it's our honor to get to talk to you, Mr. Absolutely, Jim. We Mr. we've Jim. been kind of reminiscing a little bit about you, and and uh, from time to time we we your ears probably burn because we talk about you and your love for Portland Landing and our love for Portland Landing. Absolute
0: love for wildlife, love for Portland. We had a good time down there for a few years. We really did.
4: Oh, we sure did.
0: Yeah, Mister Jim taught me all kind of stuff about scouting. Man, he was a scouting machine. Yeah, and bow hunting. Uh- and, you know, where I get uh, all of my venison aging techniques comes from Jim Crumley, too. You know, interestingly enough, he taught me how to make your own chewing tobacco. Boom. He's just a plethora of information. <laughs> yeah. I
1: told y'all he was the coolest guy in the outdoor industry, and he is. He really is. Well, So what has been going on with you now? Are you uh, at the retirement home, or what are you doing?
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm retired in my home. I'm... Uh, I'm trying to make myself great again, but uh, Sherry keeps saying, again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm kind of spinning my wheels on that, and uh, just hunting, just waiting on the next season. We're we're finishing, well, we finish up deer season this month, and then I'll kick back into squirrel season for January.
0: Good deal. How was the rut this year up there?
4: We we did uh, real well, as a matter of fact. Uh, uh, Sherry got a real nice buck, and I got a nice buck, and we had uh, guests come in uh, that uh, got a nice buck, and then we killed, Sherry killed two more does than that. So we had an excellent season. We had a good acre crop.
0: All right.
4: You um, never heard of, just left yesterday. Who's that? A boy a old boy named CJ Davis.
0: Oh my goodness. goodness. He's just popping up everywhere these days. He he started talking about long tailed cats and Portland Landing and
1: we need to ask Mr. Jim, when all his time down at Portland Landing, did he see a long tailed cat?
4: You know what I never did? I saw a lot of spotted pigs, but I shot most of them. I never did see uh, a long tailed cat. No. nor, well, I can't say. I never saw an ostrich, but I saw ostrich tracks. There you go. Mm.
0: Do you remember? Do you remember us seeing that cat?
4: Yes. Ha. Yes. So here we um, that was quite an event, not quite a story. Uh, and, and I know that
1: there, just like the ostrich is there too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There
0: was an ostrich down I there. I think everybody thinks <laughs> that there was a chance, except Bobby. You know, he's uh, he's of course, of course, you know how Bobby and my relationships go. It's, relationship goes.
1: Well, I, I would have liked to have seen it. I I really would have, and I would like to believe that those kind of things are out there. But it just it's just hard.
0: Well, Jim yeah, yeah. can talk about what a, a and you know how big Portland was. So, and I don't want to get off on the long tail cat. We're actually want to yeah. talk, want to talk to <laughs> Jim about more than anything. Bobby always goes here though uh, for some and, reason. Yeah,
1: it accidentally goes there. But but uh, let me ask you this, Mister Jim. So uh, you know, I didn't do a very good job of introducing you prior to you getting on the phone. We had told everybody about you were going to be your guest. So I think everybody knows who Jim Crumley is. Yes, <laughs> and, and uh, the
0: Godfather of modern day camouflage. That, that, that's right.
1: And. Um, <laughs> You know, if you Google Jim Crumley, a, a Scottish wildlife photographer is the first thing that pops up. I don't know how that happened. Really? But Jim Crumley is an amazing hunter. He's been all over the world. He's done it, and he's done it with a smile on his face. He really is the nicest guy. But one of the things that's always fascinated me about you, Mr. Crumley, is you've got this mountain over there somewhere in Virginia or West Virginia border right in there that you've been managing for a long time. And I'd love for you to just kind of talk a little bit about that.
4: Uh, yes. Uh, Sherry and I got married in 80, 1985, and I moved the tree bark company from northern Virginia to Roanoke, Virginia, because of my contacts from college days at Virginia Tech. And so in 85, we were operating from 85 to 90. Uh, we lived in Roanoke, very close to our bark offices in Roanoke, Virginia. In 1990, our bank president called and said the property next to him, next to his hunting property, was now available, and that he wanted me to, uh, wanted us to buy it. So we did, in 1990, thinking that it would be a getaway retreat for us, you know, almost an hour out of Roanoke, and right on the James River, and so... A year after owning it and coming out just on weekends, we sold the house in, in, uh, in Roanoke and moved in here full time in 1991. That was basically having my first piece of dirt that you can can dream and do do your own things. And most of the deer herd in our county, and particularly on this property, uh, was in was in shambles. There was uh, there were a lot of deer but, uh, and a lot of turkeys, uh, but, um, the harvest record of the people was not good. They would just, uh, they'd shoot everything. And, you know, you know, that story, um, as a matter of fact, the first fall of 1991, when I, I bow hunted at least a half a day, weather permitting the entire season. And I saw one eight point buck the entire year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's <laughs> patience how the, the pretty older owners uh certified that every spike was an inferior deer and should be shot and that type of thing and rarely shot those so we we got into uh of course the uh the our state people um uh, our DMAP program, our our biologist in particular, Matt Knox, a good friend of Brian Murphy's. He's a, he's a out of out of University of Georgia's uh, biologist program. Matt's still actually our deer biologist, so we got that going, and we got QDMA uh, involved with us. And the first thing I had to do was go was preach to our contiguous neighbors because not like Portland uh, when you when you're talking about. Relatively small tracts of land to get quality wildlife management. Everybody around just got to
0: everybody's got to pitch in. Page,
4: That's right. Be on the same page with you, and that was uh, that was the biggest hurdle. I think more than anything. Now, however, thirty years later, um, we we had great success. Uh, uh, it's it has a lot to do with with the information. I got from those guys and other people. A lot of stuff I carried back in my head from Joe Champion and uh, of, of doing this and doing that. What has transpired is when we first moved here and I was younger, uh, and it's it's always been a one-man maintenance show, I, I did try, and I usually still do try a lot of different things with food plots, but probably the last 20 years, um, I have pretty much focused on doing everything in the world you can to encourage your natural wild vegetation and stuff that, the that the critters are used to having anyway, and making, making more of that and making that stuff better. And that's worked for us, I think, better than anything. Mm. Uh, we, uh, we did because of Joe Champion, uh, from the old Portland days, uh, Institute sawtooth oaks back in 1992, uh, and at that time, our state, uh, I guess, arborists told me that we were too far north and that they would not survive. Uh, Joe Champion was right, and the state arborist was wrong. Wow! <laughs> because wow. we we were definitely the first in our county to have sawtooth oaks, and uh, that has been probably the best thing that I ever did to our property, because when we don't have a good natural acorn crop, those things generally do produce. And uh, it just becomes a magnet situation for our property. Mm-hmm. But we do other things, too. We, we do everything we can to generate more persimmons. Uh, we do everything we can. To, uh, we, we have pawpaws. Not that the deer like them that much, but other critters do. Uh, blackberries, uh, blackberries are a big deal as far as our wildlife and the more that we can encourage and spread them seems to help every single year. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the acorns are dwindling now and, uh, you, you ride our, ride our property and you'll see deer munching on blackberry leaves mm. So, so that, uh, have, have just been superior ideas for us.
1: So Lanny's right. You're an Uh-oh. OG gamekeeper. That's right. Now, do you know what? Do you know what OG means? I'm afraid to ask. It's <laughs> <I
0: didn't laughs>
3: original. Didn't original. <laughs>
0: original. It just stands for being original. In other words, you were gamekeeping before gamekeeping was cool, Mister Jim. That's what I was just oh, trying to say. Oh, well, it's
4: it, a- Yeah, it's, it yeah, it's probably it's the kind of thing. Everything changes when you when you're doing your own dirt. Right. Everything. Everything does. Uh, the the one of the neatest late latest things, and I, I think I mentioned every year. I don't do a whole bunch of food plots, but I uh, at all matter. But I'll take one food plot each year, and I'll do something that I've never done. And the year last year, an old friend that has a big commercial produce operation uh, next county over. Uh, does a huge commercial pumpkin uh, business, commercial pumpkins. And uh, he called the year before last, said, asked if to come and help them shoot damage permits at night on all these does that were coming into his pumpkin patch. And I said, deer like pumpkin? He said, oh, buddy. He said, I'm telling you what. And so... I planted pumpkins for the first time last fall, not this year in last year's crop. And it's the most incredible thing, we had bears playing with playing with them like soccer balls. Huh. We have we have tons of bears now. But deer, great time of day, the deer once the deer learn what they are. Um and I had no clue until last year. I didn't know deer love pumpkins.
0: Are they pawing but, them and eating them or? Or just yeah,
4: eating. they they bust them open with their with their hooves mm-hmm. and eat them.
0: Yeah,
4: I've seen that too. Every bit of it. So it, I think it's it, it. I'm at the age and stage now of doing anything I can to encourage critters. And of course, I'm talking deer here. But everything you do for the deer is good for the turkeys. And actually, our bear population has exploded. The state has uh, encouraged. uh more better seasons, or we, we still can't bait for bears, but uh, the, the bear population in the state is helping trim that down because we have we have an awful lot of black bears. Um, but trying something new like that every year has just been uh, has been exciting for us, and pretty much everything works.
1: That's interesting. Um, well, so on the black bear. Perspective. Um, I, years ago, I always heard stories about people poaching bears just to get their gallbladder. Is that still Correct. going? On? Is that still going
4: on? Well, one of the one of the largest uh, operations for arrests on that was completed in Virginia and West Virginia and Ohio. Probably been ten or ten or so more years ago now, but all the game departments. Uh, worked together and did this com- com- huge undercover uh, operation of literally uh, game officers going into small communities and working at the grocery store. And I think this thing went on, the undercover went on for a couple of seasons, maybe even three seasons. And they ended up with uh, something like 50 arrests in three states. And the evidence that they had, Killed over 500 bears. It mm. it was really something. Wow. So, uh, I think they may have. I haven't heard any more of 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 it being that bad around here anymore. But well, I don't know that it whether it, it still exists or not. Probably so. Uh, but I, I don't hear about it anymore like I used to.
1: Yeah, that's that's a sad story that people are 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 you know. Poaching animals for those reasons, poaching an animal for any reason is not good. But
0: for uh, you know, selling those gallbladders, yeah, wanting uh, waste, you know, just wasting everything. Terrible yeah. story, not good, not good.
1: So look, what if you uh <coughs> When we want to get, we want to talk to you about camo here in just a second. But I want to ask you one more question about managing your property. And if you so, and I, if you had one or two things that you could, you could tell a guy, and you may have already mentioned that when you started talking about natives, but for deer and one or two tips that you could give a guy for, for turkeys for what you've learned in the past?
4: From property management? For
1: property management, yes, sir.
4: Yeah. Um, well, for property management, for turkeys, uh, once again, a Joe Champion uh, deal that was not supposed to work up here. I was supposed to be too far north. Chupas were incredible. Hmm. As far as, because nobody, once again, nobody else around me did them. And just like the saltos. And so my first year with chufas, and once again, this was probably 15 years ago, uh, was absolutely phenomenal. We had some of the best turkey hunting that you could ever imagine um, in those first couple of years. But then as the bear population grew and the bears found out about chufas, I, I couldn't plant them anymore. Uh, it was just a waste of time. Uh, they literally, you would plant them, and well, matter of fact, the last time I planted them, my neighbor who uh, has a cow-calf operation was driving by, and he said, what did you put in those those plots that you uh, turned yesterday? And I said, "Chufas again. And he said, well, this was time." He said, there's five fairs in them now.
0: <laughs> Are they out there wow, digging they're them they're up like and that? eating
4: them. Yeah, and I did not <laughs> Jufa crop that year, and I haven't planted jupa since. But hmm. uh, if if I were able to, that would be my number one. And everybody, I guess everybody turkey hunts knows that that would be my number one turkey tip. Um, they just uh, it just works. It's uh, simple as that. And and with the deer, uh, it's it's the bush hogging. Uh, if, if, if you're in a place that you can do the sawtooth thing, uh, that certainly helps, uh, especially if you're a bow hunter. And that was one interesting thing. If you'll remember uh, at Portland, uh, the, the, by the time bow season opened, um, the tooth, I mean, the sawtooths were pretty much gone.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. sure were.
4: You know? And so when Joe and I, when Joe started giving me more information, and another one that I worked with on, on the saltus was Bo Pittman. Uh, yeah, at White White Oak. that's
0: right. Yeah. He was one of the first.
4: And we, still, we still keep in touch with Bo and Tui but, um, Bo, uh, yeah, I gleaned a lot of information from Bo and Joe. And, um, the, the whole thing of when us being two to four weeks. In the growing season and when the sawtooths uh, drop, start dropping, of course, now our bears are climbing our sawtooths before they even start
0: dropping. <laughs> Shaking um, them out. But,
4: sound like a Yeah, it yeah, sound
0: like a pig, but smaller like, and bigger.
4: Like they do to apple trees. But the, the timing of sawtooths and my part of, of the maturation and the dropping of the acres is, was just perfect for both seasons. But just absolutely I mean they would start cropping when our postseason would start.
0: oh that's it's great just,
4: yeah it's just phenomenal and it fourth it now attracts the bears too so you're gonna get if it just comes before dark you, you're going to get a shot at a bear uh, so the sawtooth would be for the deer but the, the probably the be- best equipment uh, has been uh just a bush hog or or a brush hog whatever people mm-hmm. you want to call it behind the tractor. Uh and and keeping bush hog trails to me uh for setting bow stands is just like fronting over bait. Um uh, got to have bush hog trails through your property, through the through the blackberries and stuff that you're growing naturally. Uh the honeysuckle, uh we even have autumn olive um uh, that produce berries for the wildlife, but I keep bush hog trails uh, and deer just use them like we use the interstate. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it really makes for more successful bow hunting. So I would have to say even more than a tiller on my tractor for food plots, but the bush hog is on my tractor is, has become more important for producing, uh, the type of habitat that the deer and the turkeys and, and the bears like.
0: That's interesting. And yeah, Very interesting. Yeah. Good tip.
4: Yeah, it really was. Yeah, it was a great
0: too. He, he he never lets yeah, you no, down. Got, yeah, he's got it. He's just got <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you,
1: look, we 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 need to ask you and just to get you to kind of uh, go back in time just a little bit and talk about tree bark. Yeah, back the tree in the day. bark story. And do you? Do, and do you today? Do you grab an old piece of tree bark, pants and jacket, and go? It, it, sit in the woods with it i mean it's just so nostalgic to me when i think about it
4: i do i still wear tree bark pretty regularly um did our our critters they haven't learned what it is <laughs> I guess. but as a i do uh and i get daily as a matter of fact this morning woke up to a messenger from my facebook a guy named eric um wanted to know if there's any chance tree bark was ever going to come back. And of course I'd just do the same thing I do with everybody is to say that that's a decision Mossy Oak maybe will make one day, but they are the owners of it now. So a lot of, it's amazing how people didn't know that, you know, even after
0: 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. That's right.
1: Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, we've ever so, really tried to tell anybody that.
0: no.
4: No. So, uh, I get that every day. I get people telling me, uh, emailing me or Facebook and say, I just found this tree bark something on eBay. I can't believe I was able to get it. And all that stuff uh, is very self satisfying to me, self rewarding. Um, and uh, it, it, yeah, I, I had the original tree bark on when I shot my buck this year. So, I still. <laughs> Sure. Well, what year did you start it, Tree Bart? Well, I started working on it in 75. I incorporated the business in 79 and I sold the first two piece suits in 80. Um, wow. Yeah. I know. OG. Bobby will
0: OG. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. I, I, I remember it too. I no, I had it before I had Mossy yeah, Oak. Yeah, I had I did it too. I was born in 75. Uh, but that's uh, that was the first camouflage pattern that I had, no doubt about it.
4: Well, and that happens with an awful lot of people. Again, I remember that I shot my first deer with a. I wore original tree bark. Those yeah. people are in their fifties now, or sixties or seventies, even. Um, but uh, I get a lot of that. And I, and I, I know Bobby and probably Lanny too. Will remember, but I know Bobby will. I Cause uh, where I grew up. In Bristol, Virginia, uh, um, we—I didn't grow up hunting deer or turkeys at all. I was very late, uh, especially compared to you guys and Topsy, uh, because you were hunting deer and turkeys when you, when you could shoot when you could shoot a weapon. Right. But I, I found with my dad with rabbits and squirrels and ducks and quail and grouse and those type of things. It wasn't until I became got to Virginia Tech my freshman year of '65 that I, uh, a buddy that was at Tech um, was already a bow hunter and a spring turkey, spring gobbler hunter. And and he introduced me to that my freshman year, and I became a turkey hunter and, and a deer hunter. And when I got out of Tech uh, in 69 and uh, moved to uh, work at T.C. Williams High School in Alexandria, I met friends up there who worked at an archery club and were avid bow hunters and then I became addicted specifically to bow hunting and to spring gobbler hunting. So that was 1969, 70. And the more addicted I got, I said, you know, one of these days, because obviously all we had to wear was military issue camo. Mm
0: -hmm.
4: And people were teaching themselves and spooking their own game. So what can I do? So it was like Toxie said, he used to grow up thinking about, how he would make himself invisible. Yeah, Uh, That wasn't me. I was trying to think of what could I wear that would make me look like I belong. Mm -hmm. Not that I disappear, but that I would belong. And it just got one thing led to another. And uh, I just finally realized every time I let an arrow go, or every time I pulled the trigger on a gobbler, I had my back against the tree trunk. And it was just as simple as that. So why not? Somebody, why doesn't somebody do a camouflage specifically for, for hunters? And, and so you got to understand, I the only places I'd ever hunted in the, by the 70s was Eastern Shore, Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia. So it wasn't like, well, what do I need to spot and stalk an elk or right. anything like that?
0: Very specific. Yeah. And the, and the world was just not as connected back then too, so.
4: That, that's right. So. Uh, had a good job with the Alexandria school system and was single and, and, um, just gave it a try. Um, and it, at the, after at 1980, uh, after that season, I sold all those, all those two piece suits to an ad to Hunter magazine. And then the next year I retired from the school system in 1981 and it's been, uh, uh, it's still a fun ride. I won't even say it was yeah. a great ride. It's it was a great ride.
0: Mm. Well, I tell you one thing about Jim Cromley and bow hunting. I have never seen anybody as obsessed with bow hunting as Jim Cromley.
4: Yeah, that's saying a lot. And I've
0: been around a lot of bow hunters. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> well, I got I got gotta I throw some water on that now. I've got to admit something. Are you ready? I'm
0: ready. I'm sitting down.
4: (laughs) I don't know that I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, after 50 seasons of bow hunting deer, only with the bow and arrow, uh, I turned 70 in that 70th year because Sherry was smoking me with her muzzleloader and her rifle. (laughs) I now have expanded my horizon, and uh, I do, in fact, hunt deer with other things besides a bow and arrow. Hey, that's
0: all good. Good Hey, Bobby and I talk about it all the time.
4: At age seventy three. That's so I am in uh fully enjoying my seasons i promise you but i i am no longer exclusively a bow hunter as i was for 50 seasons
0: man he was he would budge because i try to get him over to that gunpowder every now and then he said uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> well good for you that, that, that took you
0: long enough you know, gunpowder smells good in the winter doesn't it <laughs> oh that's uh, awesome God.
1: Well, you know what? You really are one of our favorite people. He's and, an amazing and you, person. Amazing, yeah. You come up it. in conversation a lot. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, you- I can remember being young and seeing you being successful in what you did and traveling the country and the world, and, uh, hunting and being an evangelist for hunting. And there's not a better person to do that. Not a better person. No you and it. your wife, Miss Sherry, are just two great
4: people. Yeah, they are. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah,
0: I remember being young, and, and the, you remember the tree bark logo. It had tree bark, and it had this silhouette of this of, yep. of Jim, you know. And yeah. so I had seen that my whole life, and then we, when I first met him, it was like this beam of light coming down. Yeah, there
3: from, he is. Oh, <laughs> there
0: he was. Yeah. And then we got to spend several years together at Portland Landing. So I quit talking about it, but that was great. And, times. and
1: you know, from the very beginning, um, Toxie always liked. Mr. Jim. Oh, they, no,
4: there, they they they, they, no. They were two peas in a pod. They exactly just right. got, then that always impressed me. And
0: I remember into That,
4: that <laughs> was, yeah, that was a real, that's a real interesting relationship. And it was a combination. I, neither one of us really can explain it. It was just the personalities, I guess. Bob Dixon had a lot to do yeah. with that, too, by the way. Oh, man, um, I remember that early on. He became such a good friend. Uh, while we were competitors, and that kind of led into Toxie and I becoming good friends. While we competitor, while we were competitors, and uh, then when it came time for me to say, you know what, I think I'm gonna cash it in now. It there just wasn't, uh, wasn't any, there wasn't gonna be any discussion on because because I had advisors saying, you better go sell it to Cabela's, you better go sell it to. Uh, Bass Pro, you better go sell it to this. You better get bids from everybody. You bet you did it. And all I did, was see if Toxie was interested. <laughs> wow. And nice he said, you bet. You bet. Come on down. Let's talk about it. And it was as simple as that. Mm. Nobody, I didn't even, you know, nobody else knew it was even going, what was going on.
0: Until so we announced it at the that, shot show. Yeah.
4: Yeah, you don't. You don't. It's, those those relationships are hard to explain, but it uh, that's the truth. We were we were already good friends while we were still competitors. Yeah,
1: you don't hear a little, uh, that type of story a lot these nah. days. Yeah, you sure don't.
4: No, you don't. And I and I didn't. Of course, I didn't have. Well, <laughs> the other uh, competitors I had, I just never did really hit it off with that well.
1: Well, I think it speaks to the quality of the people that we're talking about. Yeah. uh,
4: yeah. For for sure.
1: Well, tell us, we'd love to have you come back on. And I tell you what we, what we really ought to do, Lanny, is we ought to try to, once this pandemic is over, is get him down turkey. Yes. And and maybe we could take him to the dummy line. Maybe we can take him to the dummy line. You you know, and just spend a, we'd love to be around you just a little bit.
0: Yeah. We'd love to get back in the woods with you. That's for sure, Mr. Jim.
4: And if, and and the offer goes both ways. Uh, uh, y- uh, y'all are welcome up here anytime. Bobby, you almost did it one time. Cause somebody didn't you have a relative at Tech or something? You almost came up one spring turkey it, season. Uh, that's right. I, I huh? had a
1: nephew that went to Virginia mm-hmm. University of Virginia. Sure did. Virginia. Hey, okay. That's.
0: Yeah, I probably
4: and probably sent
1: cool. him
0: up to school just so he could turkey hunt on your place. So. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> and we about it. I said, "Well, you need to come and hunt." And uh, of course, Bill Sugg and uh, Bob Turner came up and swore they'd never come again because our hills were too steep.
3: <laughs> I that
0: feeling.
4: Oh wow!
3: Think about that.
0: Oh me. Uh, well, look we. We have
1: enjoyed having you on, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get with Lanny. We're gonna see if we can't make that happen, and uh, I'm I'm sure Toxie would like to. to
0: Absolutely, get in for sure. Yeah, no question about it. We got our rendezvous in Alabama again. I like it. You just. Left.
1: Yeah. Well, will you please tell your your sweet wife, Miss Sherry, that we said hello? Absolutely.
4: She's your favorite fan. I sure will. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she uh, she's so nice. I, I she, love is her nice
4: so she
0: is a nice lady. She is.
1: Well, look, we've enjoyed having is there anything that we can do to help you? Is there a website you want to promote or anything that you got going on that we can help you with? There's four or oh, five people you? listening to this. Yeah, there's at least two. <laughs> <laughs> I,
4: I, I do not I do not have a website uh, selling anything anymore. I have a oh, we do have an Airbnb rental. If anybody is up in Botetourt County, Virginia, eight miles off Interstate eighty one. Uh, heading to Washington, D.C., or anywhere they can go on uh, Airbnb and find our cottage of cottage at Springwood, Buchanan, Virginia. That's where your buddy CJ stays. Oh, that's good.
3: CJ. CJ.
4: That's that's my retirement. Our retirement project is our rental properties now.
0: Well, that's
4: it after that, for me now, it's just going to be what, whatever season comes in next, and that's what I hope everybody else does. Amen
0: on that one now.
1: Well, you're a, a great example of how to live your life, and uh, people ought to take notice. And uh, I, I would encourage any of the young people that are listening to this to Google Jim Crumley uh, at Tree Bark Camo and just read about you. Yeah, and he's on Facebook. i gotta go. I got to go
0: friend him up. <laughs>
4: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Jim. It's always a pleasure, buddy. Merry Christmas
1: to y'all. Merry Christmas to you. And thank you. Uh, and, and we'll be talking to you in, f- in the future for sure.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. See you, Jim. Bye-bye. Well, Jim
1: Crumley. Yes,
0: I always enjoy talking to him. I told you he's the coolest he, guy he, in the outdoor industry. You
1: know, when you see – he's worth
0: going to the NWTF show. At just Absolutely.
1: Because he's always there walking around, and he's just – such a special
0: guy. And I remember even in my young years in the early trade show scene, what he was talking about, man, it, it was like the mossy oak and the tree bark booth where we wanted to be close together because, I mean, all we were talking about was bow hunting and turkey hunting, you know. So
1: so one time when he was here, he came and he, I cooked some flathead yeah. catfish that you yeah. may have given me, actually. Yeah. And, and and we grilled, grilled it like yeah. steaks. It was really good. Well, when we were outside, he saw how much I loved chewing tobacco. Oh, uh, yeah. And he said Look, let me tell you what I do. Get a little secret. He, and he had a Ziploc bag, and he would take. I can't remember what brand of tobacco it was, but then he would add a little bourbon to it. Uh, oh, the, wait,
2: I
0: remember this. And
1: then he'd roll it up, and he and he taught me how you could put it in your wallet, and nobody'd even know you. He had figured all this Sneaky, out, yeah. you know? But in, uh, I never did get on the bourbon uh, tobacco. But uh, I think I remember CJ and him down there pouring a little bit of that. Yeah, but he but he also told he said so. I make this, and then I. He said i've got a refrigerator that i don't keep anything but but red worms in so mm-hmm. so somewhere where he lived he had a refrigerator full of worms yeah <laughs> i mean he's just he's just an interesting guy yeah he no super and
0: well. a tinkerer you know he always tinking, working thinking on something how to make it better you know yeah uh, just that kind of guy yeah super cool
1: all right all right good. well why don't we take a break and pay some bills cleveland if uh cleveland are you awake over there yes, and somewhere. uh when we come back we can ask mr bill talk a little bit about dogs yeah yeah let's do that
4: all right Right
2: hey folks it's jeff Foxworthy. you know when i was a kid my dad bought back the farm that he had grown up on and i absolutely loved that place i knew every square inch of it it truly was my favorite place on earth And when you're looking to find a favorite place for you and your family, Mossy Oak Properties can help. Visit MossyOakProperties.com to begin your search today.
1: Since Dudley's not here, we won't have a ask Dudley, but let's ask Mister
0: Bill. Hey, man! And if you need to know something about dogs, Bill is your guy. He really is. So, uh, Lanny, you got a question? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Mister Bill, you've probably heard this a lot, and we talk about it a lot. But you know, we often hear about, you know, obviously, we're raising hunting dogs, uh, so we like to hunt with our dogs. Um, but I, I, one of the questions, I, one of the questions, I always have is when, you know, if I'm if I'm hunting. At daybreak, when do I feed my dog?
3: Well, there's a lot of theories out there about uh, the protein content, the fat content, everything of the food, and what's the best time to feed. Well, to me, the best time to feed during hunting season is in the afternoon so the dog can uh, digest the food overnight, build his muscles up to maximum power so he's ready to go the next morning, he or she.
0: Gotcha. So you'd want to feed the night before a morning hunt. Right, gotcha.
3: Because uh, this time of year, maybe not so much in Mississippi at times, but it, it's cold out there. The water's mm-hmm. cold, the temperature's cold, and they burn a lot of energy. So what you want to do is maximize their energy build up overnight, mm-hmm. so that they don't get hypothermia from from being too cold. They got they got everything built up.
0: Would Would there be a time that you would want to switch food formulations um, in preparation for hunting season, or?
3: I don't switch. Most people, a lot of people now anyway, recommend 30-20, 30% protein, 20% fat. We feed 28-18 mm-hmm. year-round. and uh, Because if we feed 30-20 year-round, then the dogs get kind of hyper when they're not out actively engaged in hunting every day. Right, because of the carbohydrates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when they get hyper in the kennel, we found that we have better results with twenty eighteen. A lot of people say, well, thirty twenty you don't get as many soft tissue injuries. Mm-hmm. But uh you know, we we don't I don't know if ever remember having a soft tissue injury on uh twenty eight eighteen. So I'll mm. stick with that. I don't like changing food. I don't like decreasing the amount, increasing So you the wouldn't
0: amount. even increase or decrease seasonally?
3: No, we feed three and a half cups a day to our dogs and uh and that's it.
0: So it sounds like it's more about consistency than anything. Right.
3: I like to be consistent in everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Although in my old age, it gets harder to be consistent because I can't remember what I did.
0: Yet. Oh, you're pretty consistent.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I thought when you said, "Og," oh, gee, you're talking about an old guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's real good. That is good. Yeah. So
1: I've got a quick question. So what about if you've got an older dog and, and, a, and a hunt makes him stiff that the next night? Is there something you can do for him the night before or the morning of? The, I'm just asking, is there a veterinarian approved? Can you give him an Advil or a
3: Tylenol or something? I give him a child's aspirin or something. But the best thing to do is when they get older is put them on glucosamine and control, to, to lubricate their joints and everything to keep that soreness down. But you have to do it long term. It's not something you can give today mm-hmm. and expect results in the morning. Right, and, you know, and I've done that yeah. about two months ago, and I can tell
1: a big difference in the. We're doing the glucosamine. Is that my, my pronouncing yeah. that right? Yeah, and I can tell a big difference.
0: Are you doing that in pill, or are you just pouring it on the food? It's a little like a pellet, mm-hmm.
3: like a little dog chewy. Yeah, you just give it to him. Yeah, he loves them. Yeah, and it's it's really good for the joints. Especially when they get old. I probably need to be taking it myself. Yeah,
0: I could use a little bit myself. But... <laughs> I,
3: mean, I can tell the difference. Oh, really? You really yeah, really you can, can You can see the difference. Like Copper, I can see the difference in him when I just walk by the office and he's walking around. He's mm-hmm. not
0: just as stiff. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's That's not right. as stiff
3: as he was. Yeah. You but, gotta take uh, care of these dogs. There's a there's a lot yeah. to it as they get older. And yeah.
0: these original dogs, you know, they're getting I bet they're eight years old now, aren't they? Are yeah, are older. Let's see. He was
3: born in 2012. Yeah. He's he's uh he's December eight. of twenty twelve. He's
0: eight. Yeah, and so this
1: year we're old. the same year. We're the same age.
3: Yeah. Yeah, look at there. But If you look at a dog food, it has glucosamine in it too. But it's it's you need to supplement that. Yes, yeah. sir. Sure. That's fine for a younger dog, mm-hmm. but when they get old, start getting up eight, nine years old, they need a supplement.
0: Well, I definitely need to kick that in for Goose. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that he moves much, but when he does, <laughs> I want him to be really smooth and, and, and fluid. Yeah. So, is there what particular milligram? Is there a milligram or a dosage or anything? I don't know. I'll bring. I'll bring you what I'm what
1: I'm giving. Okay. Copper. Um Where'd you get it? We get it online somewhere
0: at the Amazon. And it comes in this little white thing you tried them yet? They taste good?
1: They taste kind of, they're kind
3: of rubbery. <laughs> <laughs> He's been taking them yeah. too. But. Hey, Copper walks around a little <laughs> better than men and men. <laughs>
0: right. yeah, He's done. OG, old yeah. guy. We're going to have to kick Dudley off. Man. <laughs> Bill, only Bill now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we
1: have enjoyed having you here today. Absolutely. Look across the table there, and you, and you, uh, it just makes my heart jump because you, you're one of our favorite people. So we're glad
3: to I have you.
0: I don't know so much about that, but
3: I hang around. Well, is there he a,
0: is OG. If you need to right. know an OG, there it is. So, Lanny, let's look
1: at wrapping this one up. And what did All we right.
0: learn today? Man, I tell you what, you know, I never really thought about how good of a of a wildlife management tool a bush hog could be to, you know. It sounds like Jim's really focused on native plant management and creating travel corridors. Um, you know, so that really, you know, he's right. I mean, it's funny. I get so laser beam focused on food plots, not to knock food plots, obviously, you know that's the, the biggest wildlife management tool we have in our arsenal. Uh, but you know, listening to what he's doing with the bush hog and and um Sawtooth and blackberries and all the different um, native plant management he's doing. Uh, really cool. So, yeah, it was.
3: And he's he was. got such a diverse place. Though. Yeah. He's the first guy I've heard talk about autumn olive in a long time. Yeah, me they're, too. They're very invasive. and right. A lot of people you talk to won't plant them because of that. Yeah. It
0: was a huge wildlife tree for a while. Yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, but it, it did catch some flack about, you know, its ability to uh, out-compete things. But it's still a great wildlife. I mean, great wildlife. And like Toxie says, everything's native somewhere. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was just
3: the first guy I've heard talk about that in yeah. a long time. I planted some for quail. Yeah. And, uh, but uplands love them.
0: Yeah, it's great. You know, edge, and you know, we used to recommend it a lot for screens and stuff. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. All right. Well, look, I've enjoyed today, and uh,
0: I got get gotta get goose some chondroitin pills. I you know, learned that too. glucosamine. Glucosamine. Chondroitin. What's chondroitin? It's another supplement. Okay. Yeah, well, feed it both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll do that. You'll do well on that.
1: All right. Well, is there anything else? I think that's about it from my perspective. You're not going to
0: share your Did You Know?
1: Well, um, yeah, it's a quick one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, did you know? Do you know what the Fastest land mammal in the Western Hemisphere is in the Western Hemisphere. Hemisphere. And I'll give you a clue:
0: it's not a jaguarundi. Is it an antelope? It is the antelope. Yeah. Oh, the antelope. give me some! Give me a trumpet or yeah. something! <laughs> <Hey>!
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: I got one, and I learned this because of Hayden doing his first book report in school. Yeah. Did you know that? Black Beauty was a boy horse. Huh. What what is a boy horse called? Stallion. A stallion. Okay, there we go. Black Beauty was a stallion.
1: Was he really? Yes.
0: You would have assumed Black Beauty would
1: have been a mare.
0: Yeah, it was a. that's from what I understand. You know, I didn't read it. I'm just picking up on what Shannon... Yeah. Are you sure I, you're picking that up right I did, because I asked Shannon. I'm like, look, I'm going to have to break this out on Bobby on the Did You Know section. <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, so man. you didn't know that Black Beauty was a stallion. No, I did not. All right. No. A little random fact. Yeah, thank you. Well, Walt Disney has, yeah. has... Oh, ADD over here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Made its way onto the podcast. All right. Well, uh, so I, I guess that's it. And, uh, Lanny, why don't you give your... Get us
2: out of here, Cleve.